Welcome to Hit Podcast, HIT, Human Resources, Insurance, and Technology. I'm your host, Toby Kennedy. I'll come to you every week, drop it in your feed on Tuesdays, like, subscribe, follow, share, heck, tell a friend. What we're trying to do is curate bite-sized, digestible content for you to consume on a weekly basis, keep you up to date with everything that's going on in the space. With that being said, this week's hit is brought to you by Montage Insurance Solutions. And without any further ado, let's get right into this week's weekly hit. For this week's weekly hit, we want to talk about PPACA or ACA or Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act or the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act. You pick your name du jour, but the reporting features. So we're coming up on year end, which means we're rounding the bend for a new year, which means we've got a million and one things going on, right? We've got internal forms. We've got strategy season. We've got year end reviews. We've got W-2s. We've got all sorts of things going on. We also have our ACA reporting coming down the pike. Ever since the legislation passed March 23rd of 2010, I've been giving speeches coast to coast. I've probably spoken literally hundreds of times on this topic to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of different organizations and teams and all over the place. And for the last 13 years, we have been trying to help folks make sense of some of this stuff. So today's episode is a deep dive. We've got forms 1094, 1095, got forms B, form C. Here is the scoop. Here's some tips and tricks. Here is us diving into the ACA reporting. All right, first and foremost, to try to keep things straight, we've got our 1094s and 1095s. And my little uh, uh, mnemonic device or whatever you call it, it's fours. The four is for transmittal. <laughs> See what I did there? So the 1094 is sort of like your cover sheet. It's the one you use as the transmittal form. The 1095s, those are the forms you're going to give to each employee, right? So the bigger number, the five, that's the one that you've got more of. One of those goes to each and every employee. And sort of like how a a W-2, it's like a calendar year look back, a snapshot of something that happened between the employer and the employee. Obviously, in the W-2, you're looking at earnings, right? The 1095 is a calendar look at the employer-employee relationship as it relates to extending health insurance. So every employee gets a 1095 from you, you stack all those up, and the four is for transmittal. It's the cover sheet that you give to the IRS. So that's a little bit of the difference between the fours and the fives. Now, boys and girls, I I am a father, right? So let's talk about the Bs and Cs. Let's talk about 1094 and 5B, 1094 and 5C. The B forms... Those are primarily from the carriers, right? So those are the ones that um, uh, address the part where the IRS sort of needed to police whether or not folks had an insurance policy. Obviously, there's been some federal level tax changes, but even in states like California, there's still some tax ramifications. It's also still law. So these forms help people say, yes, indeed, Mr. and Mrs. IRS, I did have coverage this year. And here's my sort of proof that I had coverage, right? My 1095B. So those primarily come from the insurance carriers. Those are generally who's going to do a B form. Now, there is a rare exception. I'm not going to dive too far down the rabbit hole. But if you are both self-funded and also too small to need to do the C forms, right? So you're smaller than the ALE or applicable large employer threshold. You've got under 50 employees, when we count up our, our uh, you know, part-time equivalents and our, our full-timers, and we, we do that ALE math. If you're under that threshold and also you're self-funded, so narrow group of, of folks that are, are, are in that uh, arena, but they're out there, um, that 
group of folks would also need to do the B forms, but primarily it's the insurance carriers and then that nuanced section of employers. Other than that, most employers out there were talking about forms C, not the B forms, the C forms, a little explanation on what the Bs are, but you're most primarily interested in your 1095 C, which is going to go to all of your employees. And it's going to explain to them what the relationship was between you and them from a health insurance standpoint. You're going to get all those stacked up and you're going to do a 1094 C as the transmittal form to the IRS. On the 1095C, the form is broken into three parts. Part one is pretty self-explanatory. It's just information about the employee, right? So name, address, social security number, et cetera. Part one's pretty straightforward. Part three is only required if you're self-funded. Because again, remember, this is the piece where you can capture dependents, spouses, all of the people that were covered on your insurance plan. Because when you're self-funded, you're, you're sort of like, you're acting like the insurer. You're, you're the insurance carrier for you know all intents and purposes. So they need to know, hey, you don't have to do the 1095B like you know regular fully insured insurers do, but when you're doing your 1095C, you do need to skip down to part three and you just need to list out everybody that was covered. All the belly buttons that were covered on your plan need to be listed on part three. So part one's pretty straightforward, demographic information. Part three is pretty straightforward. It's just a list of people that were covered. It's really that middle section. Part two, specifically lines 14, 15, and 16, where we most commonly see employers needing some help with their 1095C. So let's dive into that kind of meat of today's presentation. So first and foremost, on lines 14, 15, and 16, they have column by column per month. They also obviously have the all 12 months, which is fairly self-explanatory if the data you're about to enter into this row would be relevant for each of the different cells on a month over month over month. You can just enter the data into the all 12 month cell. So then that goes, you know, in lieu of putting it into each and every different month, it's applicable for the whole year. So we use that. But setting aside the all 12 months, which I also think is fairly straightforward, you look on a month by month basis and look to see, okay, what do I need to answer? Line 14 is where you answer the offer of coverage, the one series codes. It's where you say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. IRS, did I or did I not offer coverage to the employee? And I'm gonna use one of these one series codes. There's eight main of them. Goes from one A through one I. And there's those eight main codes that you use in different circumstances, which we'll unpack in a second, to tell the IRS whether or not you offered coverage and the manner in which you offered coverage. Starting with code 1A, which is a pretty common code. I'm gonna go through you know, how common or rare they are. Code 1A is the code that you put in when and if your plan offering is affordable per the federal poverty limit safe harbor. So we've talked a little bit about this on past episodes, but long story short, when you're setting your affordability as an employer, you have a few different safe harbors. You say to the ACA, look, my plans are affordable. What do you mean? Relative to what, right? Are we using rate of pay? Are we using the federal poverty limit safe harbor? Are we using the W-2 safe harbor, right? So you've ascertained which one is best for you. And again, you can check out past episode to, to kind of get your sea legs on that one. But you figure out, okay, my plans are affordable according to XYZ. I always recommend the federal poverty limit one whenever you can, right? 
It might not always apply and some employers can't do it, but anytime you have your plans set affordable per the federal poverty limit safe harbor, you're using code 1A in line 14. And just to unpack this a little bit, it doesn't matter what plan the employee actually took, okay? We're not talking about the buy-up to the PPO or the full network this or that. We're talking about the cheapest plan in your portfolio. And we're not even talking about adding spouses or dependents, family, et cetera. We're talking about the employee only. So if you've got at least one plan in your portfolio where the employee only tier of the cheapest plan design fits within that federal poverty limit safe harbor, you use code 1A. The number bounces around a little bit because it's indexed year over year, but it tends to fall somewhere in the range of about 101 bucks a month. So some employers know they're way below that. They're like, oh man, our narrow network HMO is free or it's 50 bucks a month or it's 75 bucks a month, whatever the case is. If you have a plan in your portfolio, again, the number's indexed, but around $101 a month per year or cheaper, changes you know year in and year out. But if you can use the federal poverty limit safe harbor, you're at code 1A. Codes 1B, 1C, and 1D are all pretty rare. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on them. You can research them if they apply to you and in which circumstances they apply. But basically, those are the codes you use if you offer coverage to some of the eligible dependents, but not all, right? So it's pretty rare that an employer says, oh yeah, we offer coverage for spouse, but not dependents, or, or dependents, but not spouse, right? So where you have this strange offering of coverage that doesn't quite extend to everybody, that's codes 1B, 1C, and 1D respectively, and sort of where those guys fit in. 1E is another extremely common code. It's the code you use when you indeed offer the requisite coverage, but you don't use the federal poverty limit safe harbor. So for one reason or another, you aren't using that federal poverty limit safe harbor, you aren't using code 1A, you're probably using code 1E. So this was a month where we extended coverage, right? The employee was with me. Uh, I extended coverage to them, but we used the W-2 safe harbor or the rate of pay safe harbor. Great. Then in line 14, you're going to enter code 1E for all of the places that that applies. 1F and 1G are also extremely rare. So I'll skip over those. And that takes us to code 1H, which is a very, very common code. This is the code you enter into line 14 if there was no offer of coverage for that month or the employee wasn't there, terminated, was in a waiting period. There's a lot of different reasons why you might not have offered coverage, right? So some employees are with us for the full calendar year. Others join us partway through. So if you have an employee that joins you in June, when you're entering data into January, February, March, April, and May, you need to say no offer of coverage, right? Because the employee wasn't with you that. Same thing if they're in their waiting period, same thing if they were with you for the front half of the year, but terminated on the back half, right? So code 1H is gonna be another super common one, and it's the one you utilize when there was no offer of coverage for that specific month. Now we get to line 15. Line 15 is where you put the value, the dollar figure of what you charge the employee. Specifically, we're talking medical, right? So we're not adding dental vision, we're not adding other insurances, and again, importantly, we're not talking about the plan the employee took. This is your space where you tell the IRS why you offered qualifying coverage, which includes a portion of affordability. So you put in data for the cheapest employee only plan design that that employee had offered to them, right? What would their share have been had they took the cheapest option in the portfolio? 
You also don't even always have to put data into line 15. If you use code 1A, you do not need to put data into line 15. If you use one of the other codes for one reason or another, we talked about why you use the different one series codes a moment ago. If you're using one of those, then you do put a value into that and what you put in is what their premium deduction would have been for the cheapest employee only product in your portfolio. Lastly, we get to line 16. Line 16, sort of like line 14, has these series codes. These are the two series codes, which again, there's eight main ones. They range from 2A to 2I. But what I'll start with is another one of my, you know, lame ACA jokes. But the IRS likes 2C, <laughs> code 2C. Anytime code 2C applies, it trumps everything. It's the big daddy boss code. 2C is when an employee enrolls. So regardless of what other situation might fit, if the employee was enrolled in coverage in that month, you use code 2C. We'll get to the other codes A through I. Code 2C is the one you use if your employee enrolled in coverage. It is what the IRS likes to see in that box. But so backing it up now to A, 2A is the code you use if an employee was not employed any day that month. So you look at the month by month. Again, not every employee was with us for 365 days last year. If I've got a month where the employee was not employed at all, 2A. 2B is a code you use if the employee was a part-timer or you're trying to denote that coverage was terminated in that month, not you know cover for the full month. So we had that kind of partial month coverage or a part-timer, that would be code 2B. 2C, again, use it anytime an employee is enrolled. Code 2D is the waiting period code. So you've got an employee that's in their waiting period, right? They started with you, but you guys are first of the month following 60 days. Or maybe you have this extended um, sort of waiting period because you've got employees that are variable hour and you're, you're doing the whole initial measurement period, et cetera, et cetera. That's code 2D. Code 2E is a rare interim thing that it's still on the books and it's still out there, but it's not used very often. Codes 2F, 2G, and 2H are commonly used codes. And these are the ones where you tell the IRS, hey, look, my employee was offered the requisite coverage, right? I did my part. They didn't enroll because if they did, I would have put 2C because I heard Toby say it 75,000 times on his podcast the other day, but the employee had an offer of coverage and I'm off the hook. I don't want to be fined. And I'm going to explain to you with either 2F, 2G, or 2H why that employee had qualifying coverage, Mr. or Mrs. IRS. You use 2F if the employee's uh, affordability is tied to the W-2 safe harbor, right? 2F. 2G, if it's tied to the federal poverty limit safe harbor. 2H, if the affordability is tied to the rate of pay safe harbor. So F, G, and H, depending upon which safe harbor you use, is where you tell the IRS in line 16, hey, I know they're not enrolled, but they were an employee, they were offered covered, uh, they were offered coverage, excuse me, and they were offered coverage that's affordable, and it's affordable because... F, G, or H. I had the W-2 affordability, or I had the federal poverty limit affordability, or I had the safe harbor of the uh, rate of pay affordability, right? So that's those codes. Lastly, 2I, sort of like uh, the other series codes. It's a weird transitional relief thing that's still in there, but it's not really worth diving down the rabbit hole on. So I think, I hope, for most employers out there, 
We covered the difference between the 1094 and 1095, why you would do the C form most likely, when and what the B forms are. I mean, you can tell your employees, look out for your 1095B. It's going to come from your insurer. So you, you sort of know what that is. But from your responsibility standpoint, we dived into the 1094. It's fairly straightforward. The 1095, three parts. Part one, pretty straightforward. Part three, only if you're self-funded. And even then, it's just a list of employees. And then part two, lines 14, 15, and 16, where you put in what, what the one and two series codes means, and when you use those. That is all the time we have for you here on this week's episode of the Hit Podcast. Follow us every week. Reach out if you have any questions. I am happy to be a resource for anybody. But until next week, make this the best week yet. Yeah.